the calm before the storm. Let's get started. And they are going to win! Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix! Three cars going well to well as Perez is caught by Charles Leclerc and his three cars gone off! It's a DNF for MAX! The world championship record is equals. Lewis Hamilton, seven-time champion of the world! If only there was a storm, eh? That's the only downside with the the tracks in a sandstorm the desert. Maybe. Yeah, it would be cool if there was a sandstorm. Do you, what's the protocol? Do you think for sandstorm, is it like rain where you just keep going, or would they red no. flag? I think they would red flag if there was a sandstorm. Yeah, because surely that would like rat out the engine as well. Have yeah, true. Like, they were. like survival yeah. of the fittest. I think visibility <laughs> wise, it's, it probably wouldn't be safe. And also, you couldn't, wouldn't be able to watch it because, like, if it was a really bad sandstorm, then the cameras wouldn't be able to see what's happening either. So it'd just mm. be a bit rubbish. And the whole reason for, as we've discussed before, the races being in these locations is for sponsor reasons and monetary reasons a lot of the time. So you'd want to be able to see the sponsors and the cars and all that. Of course. I think, and we as fans yeah. would want to go and see the race as well, of course. Exactly. We? So yes. I, I think yes. they'd red flag it, but we'll have to see. Yeah, time will tell. Hopefully we won't get into that scenario. But um, yes, we start off this episode of F1 in Review looking forward to the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. But first, to go over the sad news, the passing of Sir Frank Williams, the uh, founder and indeed former owner of the team, uh, formerly at the helm for so many years. But um, at the age of uh, 79, he's passed away. And um, what are our thoughts on this, our reaction to this very sad news coming out of Formula One? I think it's obviously devastating news and we've seen from all of the responses that have been on social media just you know what an impact he had on the sport um I heard an interview of George Russell saying that he was probably one of the greatest figures in British racing and I I don't disagree and I think in a way I, I almost forgot that he and Claire had departed from the sport and I almost felt as if they'd they'd been there in this recent success for Williams in recent months and yeah it's awful news and I you know obviously the team and Claire you know we wish them all the best but I'm sure they'll go out and and really perform for for him in the next few weeks and going into the future yeah what what a legacy though to leave Mm. um they won seven drivers titles nine constructors championships and so he he really does depart but leaving behind his name which is a fantastic thing to be able to do if if any of us leave even a quarter of the legacy we will be doing well but it's still nice that they're clearly running his name in in the team so in some sense although the man is gone the family has departed the Williams name lives on and hopefully in the next season and in the last couple of races of this one they will continue to demonstrate that they're on on the upwards trajectory and that would be a great tribute to the the man that, that started it really his his story is is very interesting and and one that you should definitely go if you don't know it and and listen and and read about because it is it's fantastic there is you know that the whole family going through not having very much money and then eventually creating a team that will go on to have successes and sponsor drivers such as um, Nigel Mansell and and Ayrton Senna for for two examples so yeah it is absolutely devastating that he's gone and as you say, Liv, I, I also forget that the family's not in charge of the team, but I think they'll do. I, I Hopefully, Williams will, will go on to great and great successes, and I can't think of any better uh, send-out and any better tribute than that. Mm. And I won't pretend to be a Frank Williams expert, but when you look back at how Formula 
once started and how it is now. It's almost incomparable when you see your Toto Wolch, your Christian Horners, uh, your Bonottos, for example, leading corporations, essentially. But looking back at someone like Sir Frank, you know, leading it up from the ground upwards, you know, being heavily involved in every aspect of the team, we may never see a figure like him ever again, which is just so disheartening to see and um, sad, but also a good nostalgic thing to look back at and go, you know, thank you for all that you've done, really, because without figures like him, there's huge question marks of whether the sport would be at the higher level that it is today. And finally, 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 looking forwards now to F1 2022, the grid is complete. Wang Yuzhou will be the second driver, Alfa Romeo. He'll be replacing Antonio Giovinazzi. Probably the worst kept secret in Formula 1 history. It's a question of when and not if. But now that it's been officially confirmed, we know that he and Valtteri Bottas will line up for the Alfa Romeo team. What are our thoughts on this uh, breaking news or news recently? Uh, published well I hope Bottas does really well firstly because he's had some absolutely terrible luck in in Mercedes and I don't know whether or not the Alfa Romeo team will be any good simply because it's the new rules and new regulation changes uh fingers crossed they they follow in Ferrari's footsteps if you'd like and, and can pick themselves up a bit that'd be really nice to see Guan Yu Zhou is the first Chinese um, Formula 1 driver as, as they keep saying um, as you say worst kept secret they kept leaking it and putting it on posters inside uh, Alfa Romeo dealerships in China for, for an example there um, he is pretty good as a Formula 2 driver he's not the best if we go by the standings but he has found his way into the sport um and one way or another he's going to be here until they maybe replace him in in a couple of years time there's rumors about whether or not he's a stopgap um which yeah that's quite interesting i think but i i don't really know what to say about him because i think they could have done better in terms of who they picked but i'm not trying to lead a formula one team and i'm not trying to get sponsorship money so maybe it's the right choice for the longevity of the Alfa Romeo team but I think Bottas is going to be a great mentor to him I think Bottas is a really sound guy and will take that uh that chance to really help develop a young driver in his stride um I would like Bottas to beat Guan Yu Zhou though um just because I think he deserves to continue in his successes and um, going forward yeah, I think um, you made some good good points there, Tristan. I, I, obviously, he's second currently in the Formula 2 standings, just like F1. They have two races to go. Um, it is looking pretty positive for Oscar Piastri, who, of course, we've, I think we've discussed before. Um, but, you know, second, you know, out of the 30 almost, I think there are in Formula 2, is, is not bad at all. And I think a lot of people forget, you probably would have seen on social media, the sort of the, the the thoughts and discussions coming out of his signing i think people forget that a paid driver doesn't necessarily mean a bad driver no. there's mm. been examples of those but i think that he, he is he is talented and um obviously you know it, it happens a lot in f1 that there may be occasionally people who deserve deserve seats you know we look at callum we look at oscar who's obviously but now is um a alpine uh, reserve driver so it, it wouldn't make sense for him anyway for the um team that he's that he's um, working with but you know for callum obviously that that is a bit disappointing however you know it, no one can if you were the team why would you turn down you know 30 million or whatever the deal was in the end you wouldn't because yeah. you, you're trying to grow your team you're trying to make it work and it's different from you know accepting 30 million for 
a you know a driver that comes last in every race but someone who is very who's still very very good i think it's a it's a good deal for them obviously everyone was disappointed about antonio giovanazzi but yeah Mm. at the end of the day i think well, I, I was, I, you know, I was sad to see him go. I don't think, yeah. um, I don't think I was disappointed. I was sad to see him go. <laughs> but to be honest, they gave him his moment. They gave him his time as this Italian driver in the Italian team. And it just, it didn't work out. You know, he, Kimi was obviously so much stronger. Mm. And I think, it, you know, he's, he's made the move to Formula E now. And it's going to be really interesting to see what he can do. Just, just as a little note note for the listeners he um we're currently in valencia at the moment for the the formula e is currently in valencia at the moment for pre-season testing and he came 15th today um in pre-season testing which obviously isn't the best but it's also <laughs> not the worst but considering a lot of other people there have raced in formula e a lot and he's literally sitting in the car like basically for the first time testing times don't really mean anything exactly what's interesting is we could probably do a whole nother episode on this in the in the season break but they actually fought, uh, tested some like race simulations and qualifying simulations today as part of the testing which is obviously quite rare to do but we'll come back to that just quickly before we we, we move on from this topic and, and tom um adds his thoughts um on young drivers obviously before we move on um it's worth noting that dan tictum has also taken taken that step um we, I think we can all agree. I personally didn't think he would ever step up to F1. Um, mm. He, he thought he may, and a lot, some people thought he may. But I think the way that his careers played out, unfortunately, that wasn't going to be the case. It's very tactful there, Liv. <laughs> Thank you. I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't dislike the guy. I think that he's been dealt some tough cards. But I also think, obviously, you know, there's situations where he could have handled himself better. And it's going to be interesting actually to see where, how, where he, how he handles himself. Unfortunately, from the back of the grid next year because the team he's with are, 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 have been last in, in the past couple of seasons. So. You know, these the there's Formula E is Formula E is known for a lot of crashes and a lot of you know contact. So we'll have to see what that's like. But I think it Metaphor was the right move for, for a someone. career, maybe. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I, <laughs> well, I think that it's it, for someone that we're talking about people stepping up to F1 for someone that probably was never going to. Like I'm pleased that at least he's found he's found his place there. But um, <laughs> Guan Yuzhou has made the step up, and um, look forward to to seeing him uh, racing next year. Absolutely, yes. And I'm, I'm really happy to see that there's two new drivers, a whole new driver lineup at uh, Alfa Romeo, because for me, there's a real staleness when it came to this team, keeping the same drivers in there for what was it, two, three years, and then slipping down and down and down in terms of the constructors was quite disheartening to see from a sort of perspective of wanting competitive racing. I mean, now they're currently uh, behind Williams, for example, in ninth place, a sizable gap as well. And as you say, when someone comes along with the amount of money that Joe has, uh, the experience he has as well, currently the Alpine reserve driver and doing very well in F2, it's very hard to turn that down. And it's even harder to turn down when you've got, in my opinion, Giovinazzi, a driver who I think he's been really overhyped for a long time. And can confirm to all our listeners, I will not be crying into my cornflakes when it comes to the first uh, practice session when I see him not in a car, because I think he's been really average. Uh, and I think the fact that Ferrari no longer had that connection to Alfa Romeo and the fact that he then goes the next season can't be really any coincidence. I mean, mm. this season, scoring points once, that was 10th. A singular point to his name with two races to go. His highest finish being 5th, that's only happened once. And in the Constructors, he's been 17th, 17th and then 18th, only getting points eight times in three years. And, you know, yeah. I've got nothing against the guy, but... That just isn't good enough when you're 27 years old and trying to 
propeller team forwards when it comes to Alfa Romeo, a team that also had drivers like Charles Leclerc, for example. They're not happy to sit at the back of the grid and just accept mediocrity, in my view, and that explains why he's gone and Joe's come in. And um, I, as, as as you all say, I don't see the comparisons between Joe and someone like Mazepin. You know, there's a lot of talent there. I see similarities, perhaps more with someone like Sonoda, who brings in that commercial value and that sort of aspect as well, as well as being quite a sort of talented driver or raw talent being there. So um, I'm excited for the future. You know, nothing personal, Gio, mate, but um, it was your time to go. Well, his name perhaps will go down with this, with the likes of uh, some other familiar names that you might remember, such as uh, Brendan Hartley. Stoffel yeah, Van Dorn, um, yeah. Jolian Palmer, uh, <laughs> Hulkenberg. Yes, these are names that we might all know and, and had different lengths of time in Formula One, but never really amounted to too much, um, sadly. I think Brendan Hartley and, and poor Stoffel Van Dorn had a particularly <laughs> hard time in the sport. But the the, uh, team. if you would like to throw yourself back to 2017 in the before times, ooh, before the pandemic. Um, <laughs> but yes, I think I think you might be right there, Tom. But I, I'm a little bit kinder to Giovinazzi. I think he did a good job um, in the in the team. I think he was dealing with equipment that was a little bit below par. Bear in mind that the Ferrari engine last year was terrible and the Alfa Romeo this year was not developed because of the upcoming rule change. So you might say, you might be able to reel off those stats, but I don't think the stats necessarily reflect the full picture that's been going on there. I think Giovinazzi had that rise. Unfortunately, he got quickly overshadowed by Charles Leclerc and... I do wish him every success going forward in 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 another sport. Formula E, maybe. I I think if I was a Formula One driver, I'd look to something completely different, like Extreme E or or um or like rallying or something like that. Something you know properly different, so you don't get compared too much. But hey, I guess I'll never have that luxury of choice. <laughs> So yes, more news coming out of Formula 1 in this break between the Qatari and Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. The Spanish Grand Prix will be uh, keeping its place in the grid until 2026. So um, what's that? Five more years of pain? I mean, Spain, sorry. (laughs) Um, But we've been told there will be upgrades to the racetrack and facility for next year's Grand Prix on the 22nd of May. Are you convinced? Well, at least they're doing something about it. I mean, uh, they, there's all these upgrades going on at the moment. I think it's, I think, um, I don't know, maybe there's been like a ch- change of, of leadership at like the, the Tilka Engineering headquarters. They've gone, oh, our tracks were really dull. I see. Um, and they're, they're changing them up. I just don't know if Spain is a Tilka track, but uh, I think it might be because of its boringness. But yeah, I, I, I think the, the upgrades would be quite useful, um, mainly because they can't make it much worse. Uh, uh, so I, that's where I have to say really five more years of it okay if if they change the layout and they improve it then great five more years of new Spain improved Spain um, <laughs> if it's five more years of, of previous Spain then I will hope for a race that was similar to this year because this is the first race for a long time I thought Spain was properly good except from when um when Rosberg and Hamilton hit each other, that was great, but that was only because mm. it was exciting. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the only things I can really say to that. Hopefully, they'll, the upgrades will work, and hopefully, you know, they're upgrading holiday tracks like Abu Dhabi. So, well, maybe they'll learn from that. 
I mean, it may just be a coincidence, but like it shows what Fernando Alonso can do. <laughs> I mean, it might just be yeah. a coincidence, but the fact he had a really strong weekend, got his little podium, and then they were, I say little podium, very impressive podium, little. Uh, his little podium, mm-hmm. and then they're like, we were renewing Spanish Grand Prix. Like, I think it's obviously uh, happened to me that timing. Poor but Carlos it's in- Sainz. I know. <laughs> they, he doesn't inspire. He doesn't inspire the same enthusiasm from Spain. Clearly, um, no. I, I obviously. I seem to remember like a really, really long time ago we talked about this, and I feel like I was the most positive about this track compared to you guys. Um, mm. But I mean, obviously, I can agree that compared to others, I mean, it's not fantastic. But you know, I, I agree there's going to be some changes, and I, I heard, I read something about how the changes are also going to be sort of leaning towards sustainability and sort of yes. making it like the the benchmark for the rest of the world and how they should have a sustainable track. So I think that might be quite interesting to see how what that's about. Um yeah, I don't mind. I'm I'm not I'm not disappointed. Um yeah, it's Spain. Great. <laughs> it, it's turn 10 by the way that they're 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 like reworking because it's it's not very good. It, it, um <laughs> that's it. They're, they're just changing it up. Um it's still a turn. And it goes round in the corner. Uh, I think the idea is there's less stop-starty stuff going on. Um, they like the idea of a car being able to get behind another car and then not immediately having to slam on the brakes and follow in a in a train. That's what happened yeah. to Abu More Dhabi, flow. right? So yeah. Abu yeah. Dhabi is rubbish because at the moment, every time a car like follows on from the, the, the second straight... They then have to slam on the brakes, go left and then like a turn right and then left again. And you can't get round another car because it's too thin and then you've just got to follow. So unless you can like overtake on the on the straights, it's, it's pretty dull. And the same thing in Spain as well. You can't just you can't really get past. So, yeah, turn 10. Hopefully that'll work. Mm. I mean, it was expected, to be fair. I, I didn't see a scenario where Spain would be uh, struck off the calendar. I mean, we've seen it host uh, practices and testing uh, for so long, so that's expected in that regard. But yeah, it's a rather clunky track, isn't it? But um, we've got to learn to love it, I guess, for the next five years, and then probably a few more. Yeah, where's where's the contract extension for Spa and Monza? Because yeah, these I mean, they these... just presumed, aren't they? Yeah, but they... Yes. they, they, they you know they they're coming to the end and i i can't think of, i can't imagine a, a formula 1 season without the the big traditional track names like spa without monza uh but i mean i, I take or leave silverstone but i know lots of you fans <laughs> out there love it but you know imagine imagine if we didn't go to spa that'd be a travesty i, mm, I you could mm. even throw monaco into that if you'd like um but uh... <laughs> yes you love monaco i do like a bit monaco i agreed i've agreed in the past yeah no i've agreed in the past to let it like come alternatively like onto the calendar i've agreed for that i just don't think it should go forever but anyway (laughs) we've argued about that enough Um, speaking of new tracks though Yes, another new track coming to Formula 1, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, the Jeddah Cornish Circuit, I believe is the full name. And what are our thoughts on that? It's said to be the fastest street circuit on the calendar, where we'll reach in excess of 250 kilometres per hour and be the second longest track on the Formula 1 calendar, second only to Belgium. Our thoughts on this, who do we think is going to do well and are we excited? I am quite excited actually, because I think... Just the fact that there's a new circuit, I'm generally quite interested to see about it. It's going to be very, very narrow. And so I think that means, obviously, it means two things in my mind. It means, one, like qualifying position is obviously quite important because if it's going to be difficult to overtake because it's narrow, 
where you start is key. Secondly, I think that it means there's going to be more yellow flags, red flag, safety car, etc. Because if you have an accident, you're still basically on the racing line because there's no runoff. So mm. I think that, that those two things on its own makes it a super, super exciting possibility. And, and obviously we've been back and forth already, so I won't go into it again about why we may not like the idea of the race where it is. However, looking at the track as it's on like on its own, I'm really interested. And obviously those parts about that I've just mentioned um, make it exciting. The fact it's like the fastest street circuit in the world makes it, makes it exciting. And then obviously you add in the fact that they're literally fighting for the championship at the same time. I'm really I'm actually really looking forward to it I didn't really realize it until I started prepping for this podcast and I was like oh my goodness like this is actually so exciting um (laughs) how much I I was looking forward to it and and it's obviously we've got all the statistics given to us now about where Max needs to finish and where Lewis needs to finish um in order for Max to clinch at this time um and then if if uh, Max doesn't finish as high as second, doesn't matter where Lewis is, as long as Max um, doesn't finish as high as second, it will go on to Abu Dhabi. But if Max does finish second or first, then there's obviously the, all the calculations on where Lewis is. So, so yeah, it's going to be massive. And I think we've we briefly mentioned before, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the team, with the second driver. You know, what will Perez's role be? What will Valtteri's role be? You know, how I want, I'm interested as well to know how far these teams are going to go. How how far are Mercedes willing to go to stop Max coming in second? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be so interesting, especially with people like Toto and Christian that you know at the wheel, as it were, of these of these um, teams. Um, but no, um, I'm really really excited. Yeah, Jeddah as a as a circuit is it looks like a spoon. I think <laughs> you've seen the photo of it. You've seen the the layout of it. It looks like someone got a like uh, got a teaspoon and squeezed it too hard in the middle, so it's sort of got a finger dents in it. It's, a, um, it's very very thin. Uh, mm. I mean, it has been comp- uh, it has also been compared to a, a certain male cell. As I well. was just about to say that. <laughs> I was just. I was like, you're gonna have to cut this out. <laughs> um, we'll leave it there. Use your imagination. Um, and it, so it, it's a kind of a little bit worrying because. Baku is a fast street circuit and we get a lot of debris collisions and sort of fights there. Um, a lot of red flags and safety cars. It feels like Saudi Arabia went, oh, we want that one, but bigger. Um, so I'm cons- genuinely actually quite concerned about the possibility of, of some really, really big crashes. Not yeah. necessarily this year, but going, going forward because you don't have runoff area. You hit a wall and walls rebound you into the track let's let's not forget that baku do you remember um lance stroll he went the 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 right way on his rebound and he he continued to follow left he could have rebounded straight back into the uh, main straight and into oncoming cars and we can have the same thing here simply because we've got these massively fast bits of of track without gravel without runoff area so from a safety point of view I will be interested to see how they manage this circuit. Um, but I suppose what that throws into effect is the possibility of unusual race strategies, which could really benefit this season. I know that many listeners, you might be thinking, well, this is clearly going to be a Mercedes dominant track because there's not many fast sweeping corners that favour Red Bull. But let's not forget that that doesn't necessarily equate to instant success for Mercedes because if you think about Azerbaijan if you think about those uh, those sort of tracks 
then you will know that we have some weird winners uh, all the time because we, we get that like unusual sort of uh, race. I mean, China 2017 is a great example, actually. Ricardo won mm. that tra- that race. Um, and it was a Ferrari favor- favored one because of its high speeds, etc. And anyway, we had a couple of safety cars because the two Toro Rossos that they were called back there hit each other. Anyway, Ricardo won. Point is, is I, we might well have like a red flag, a couple of safety cars in this. Now I've said that we won't get any, of course. But yeah. that does mean that I, I, I don't know who could win. Imagine... Imagine if it was neither Red Bull nor Mercedes who won Huge. this one, because that that could happen. You know, M- Mercedes. You know, answer your question, they live. How far could Mercedes and Red Bull go? Well, Mercedes could absolutely deploy Bottas, and um, <laughs> Bottas is brilliant at being in front and slowing other drivers down. He he really does do that that wingman role, and I think that Mercedes- Red Bull will be looking at Perez to do the same thing. But on the flip side of that. Red Bull at their disposal also have the likes of Pierre Gasly and mm. the Sonoda, uh, who has single-handedly <laughs> ruined, I think, their races for them. So maybe they could deploy Sonoda in a tactical way um, to to help them a bit. So I, th- I, if I was if I was Horner, I'd be going up to the Alpha Tauri team boss and being like, right. How are you going to help us? Because, you know, we're sister teams, eh, eh? Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, but Mercedes kind of don't have that. Williams, Ms. McLaren, they don't have that loyalty to them. So unless Georgie boy wants to get into Toto's good books a couple of uh, races early, I think Red Bull have the opportunity to counter Mercedes by having those extra cars on the track. But mm. who knows? I, I, I'm so excited to live as well. I can't wait for this one. It's actually insane that we're discussing at this point how you know competitive Formula One has got, where you can see the relationships between different teams being deployed on the track. I mean, I don't think I've ever sort of heard of this being you know spoken about or this being a possibility. But I guess it shows not only the tight links between certain teams, but also how tight it is on track as well. But um, I mean, aside from that, I can't really add too much to what um to what you both have been saying. I know I've heard read comments from the designer of the circuit, uh, Carsten Tilk, I think his name is, who says it's impossible to call between Max and Lewis, which I'm not sure if that's just poetic licensing or an actual logical conclusion. But yes, I think there's very likely there's going to be some sort of um, safety cars, yellow flags. And I also foresee actually there's going to be a one-stop uh, strategy when it comes to this circuit, because looking at... Um, the circuit in isolation there's very few corners that require sort of heavy braking looking down at uh, i think uh, corner 13 that's one example and then at the other end i think corner 27 i believe um is a another example of that but aside from that there's not serious corners where you need to slam on the brakes or to uh indeed be very good at late braking sorry sorry uh, danny rick but um that is the reality of it but um Yes, it is very exciting because, you know, formerly I'd say, ah, well, what happened here in 2020 and 2019? He won or they didn't do very well or this, that and the other. Here, of course, it's impossible to do so. But I think it's a big race, not only for Hamilton and Verstappen and Mercedes and Red Bull, but also a big race as well for Lando Norris and Leclerc. There's only one point between them, the battle for fifth when it comes to the Drivers' Championship, but also as well a big race for Perez and Valtteri Bottas in isolation because you've currently got Bottas in in third place. Meanwhile, Perez uh, in fourth at only a 13-point gap. Uh, When you look sort of many races prior, it looked like Bottas had that one sewn up quite convincingly. 
But looking at the last few races, you know, that DNF from Bottas at Qatar, and along with, you know, uh, Perez getting two fourths and then three thirds uh, prior to that, he is really on a good run of form. And um, if you wanted to see who would win the sort of battle of the wingmen when it came to this race, your money would probably be with Sergio Perez because he's a man who likes uh, momentum. He thrives off that. When he's on a good streak, he's doing very well. But, you know, when we rewind and look back to the middle of the season when he's not doing very well, you know, rain really does pour for him. So, yeah, it's all going to come down, I think, to the wingmen when it comes to the major races. But it's not just a scenario where they're fighting for their teammates. They're also fighting for themselves and their own pride, really. Yeah, I think that I think you made some really good points. And, and also just quickly um, touching on a couple of things that Tristan said as well um, with the with the uh, the use, uh, you know, and yourself of the use of lower of lower teams. I, I, I think I completely agree. I think that Pierre I think that Pierre would would not I won't say happily, but he would he's such a fighter and he wants to show what a team player he is. He, he's asked so many times, why aren't I in the Red Bull seat? And he want, and you know, people mm. say he might want the Mercedes seat at some point. So if he's showing, you know, what he can do for a team, for one of the higher up teams, I think that I can see that Alfred Tarry and especially Pierre, who's obviously more likely to be up there than Yuki, acting this way. I do also see George, you know, not necessarily receiving team orders, but not really putting up much of a struggle. You know, if one of the Mercedes was having to come from the back for some reason, such, like such as Bottas on his way to do some getting in the way, um, I, I I see George helping out, but there's I don't expect any team orders to Williams because there's no really way really they can help from from down there. Um, and also you mentioned the safety, the like the safety aspect and the bouncing back into the track. I saw something about it today, and I'm going to put it in our in our in our group chat um, about how the barriers they're they're kind of new. Well, they're not they're not new. They've been seen in motorsport and occasionally F1 before, but they're different from past races. They almost I'll send a picture, but they almost have sort of um, air between them. So they're meant to sort of absorb and stop the cars bouncing back in. Yes. Um, and apparently they're meant to be easier to fix. So it will be interesting. They're called like safer or something like that. Safe, safe. Yeah. And they're meant to help um, for that. But obviously we'll see <laughs> whether that's actually the case um, this weekend. Um, e- but either way, whether the cars bounce, you know, if the cars bounce back in, that's dangerous. But if the cars stay where they are, it's still going to be, a, you know, a reason for obstruction on the track there's yeah. this such a narrow track so if, there's only so much they can do really but generally mm. um it should be safe we'll have to see how it goes and yeah so exciting to see what happens as you say with um with the use of those secondary teams i i, I don't see mclaren as you say potentially aston martin how much power really does toto wolf have over that team i don't know mm. you know would you know how would Ocon feel about it? They, they're not a Mercedes junior team, but obviously Oco, Ocon's hoping to be put in that Mercedes at some point. Um, it, it's really interesting to see how the dynamics play out. And and there's well, there's only one way of finding out, really, and that's and that's watching. I think that it's hard to predict because, we, as I said, we really don't know what Toto and Christian are willing to do. So <laughs> I, hope that I hope that it's a lot because I want the drama. Like Think if think about how the Drive to Survive producers feel right now. Oh, <laughs> they are injected their thinking. Yeah, they're probably. writing the story as we speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're a few days away now. It's, it's Tuesday when we record this. So um, four days until qualifying, five days until the, the race itself. What are, what are your predictions for this one? Who's gonna who's gonna qualify first? Who who could win it? Damn, <laughs> million dollar question. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is. I think that Lewis Hamilton will win this race. 
I think Verstappen will come second and I think Perez will come third. Well, nice, very specific. I think I'm not going to make <laughs> a prediction because I don't want to yeah, say what, but I will, I will, you know, confirm what I said in previous episode and in previous ones before that as well, that I think that when it comes to the moments of pressure and these key stages, I think that Lewis is more likely to hold his ground and not mess up and keep it his head straight because I think Max is, obviously I've said it so many times, this raw, incredible talent and my God, does he deserve a championship. But I think that he's more likely to act recklessly. And so as I meant, the way I described it last week was that if I had to put um, my mega driver on um, through my fantasy team, which I do actually need to do. I need to yeah, use my we mega need to driver. Do that. Yeah. Um, if I had to, I would. I think I'd put it on Lewis because, mm. and that kind of shows my where my head's at in the sense that I think that Max can do incredibly well, but can I trust him to have a smoother and uh, cleaner race? No. So I, I'm not going to make a prediction on the top three, but I'm going to say that. Um, I think that Lewis will have a stronger outcome to the race, and also we want that because then it will put the the title fight down to the final the final round. And how how exciting is that? That would be very very exciting. Although the words exciting and Abu Dhabi don't necessarily link, so mm. ah, it will be well, it'll be definitely interesting. Um, uh, well, I, I think that's pretty uh, clearly where you which way you're leaning with that one. Yeah, um, but I'm not but, putting in the <laughs> order or any bets, you know. No, okay. Very boring. Um, but uh, to, to be honest, I think uh, the the on paper we have to look on paper at the moment. It definitely favours Mercedes. However, mm. I think that if there's even a sniff of a safety car, anything can happen, and that's mm-hmm. so wonderful. But yeah. if I had to put my money where my mouth is, I think it might well be Hamilton beating Max, and unless something dramatically goes wrong or something something interesting happens i don't know freak weather storm or something like that hey um <laughs> who knows but i think i think mercedes know they're in a strong position going to the last couple of races and there is there is rumors that inside red bull they're wondering whether or not to put a new engine into the red bull car because they're basically undercut by engine undercut if you'd like um, by mm. mercedes which is just that's the level we're going to right now you know mercedes took that that risk to, to put the new engine in in hamilton's car to undercut the the red bull team so they might even put in the new engine to give verstappen that that extra kilowatt um of of power simply because it, it won't be as run in so that that's something that could happen as well so look out for that in the next couple of days but anything could happen but it, this well could be a a mercedes um domination unless of course they try to dress up in which case well yeah. it's just gonna go all wrong or <laughs> or netflix is with them this weekend which is, is a strong chance to be fair it's a strong chance that they're gonna want to be with one of those teams isn't it so mm, we'll have yeah, to yeah, see yeah, how exactly. it how it plays out but um Yes. Yes. Mm. Yes. No, it's it's one of those I think where if Mercedes if uh, Red Bull, sorry, decide to go and put a new engine in uh, Verstappen's car and he gets that grid penalty, that is a very very dangerous in my mm. opinion uh, decision because we know how ruthless Lewis, Lewis Hamilton can be and the momentum with him. We saw that at Qatar, him being at the front and Max being sort of, you know, uh, so far behind in sort of relativity. There was no way that Max was going to win that. So it all depends whether I guess Red Bull are happy to suck this one off, accept second, hopefully they'll get that, and then have it all to play when it comes to Abu Dhabi, or they go hell for leather and go, no, 
let's get it done and dusted here in Saudi Arabia, or at least give us a huge advantage going into Abu Dhabi, which, to be fair, they've been very strong at, but as we say, it's being changed, so you can't necessarily bank on that. And so ends episode 32 of F1 in Review. Thank you very much, dear listener, for once again tuning in to another episode of F1 in Review, and indeed, sticking with it until the very end. As we've been hinting throughout this very episode, we're going to Saudi Arabia, going to the second or penultimate Grand Prix, should I say, when it comes to this season. Starts on the 3rd of December, ends on the 5th, and hey, it may not be done and dusted, but maybe, just maybe, we'll get a clearer picture of where the championship is heading both for Mercedes and Red Bull, but also for Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Until next time, thank you very much for listening.